Hey, what's up, folks? This is Big Kahuna. This episode of Super Fun Happy Time is with none other than the much lauded, the person that we've talked about, the interview that we've talked about a hell of a lot, legend of the sport, Bonnie Destroyer. She's got some audio seminars available now that talk about the zen of Derby and also her puppy talk. I've been fortunate enough to listen to both of them and they are well worth the investment. Small amount, $6 for the Zen of Derby, $2 for the puppy talk and I'm sure by listening to them you will improve your game and your league's game. They are available of course from bonniedestroyer.com and for such a small price I'm sure you're going to get a lot out of it. You're going to hear a lot of information in this episode of Super Fun Happy Time that talks a little about her, a little bit about her philosophy when it comes to Derby, the zenness of it all. You're going to get some history of old Derby where she things that's going in the future, men's derby, some controversial things. It's a really, really good interview, and I hope you enjoy listening as much as we did recording it. Welcome to Viva the Derby Super Fun Happy Time! For Viva Derby, this is the Big Kahuna. I'm Denominator. This is Bonnie Destroyer. (laughs) And we are so privileged, so glad, so proud to be sitting here with an absolute legend of the sport. (laughs) The sport that we love and it's clear from her blog posts and her passion for the game that she travels around the world teaching it that she loves it just as much as we do, Mm -hmm. if not more, so... Bonnie Destroyer, thank you for joining us on Viva Derby. Thank you for joining me in my boudoir. No, it's very intimate. This is the most intimate Viva Derby setting ever, really. Well, so You're I'll in say, my um, room. Yeah, I was in the lobby. I was like, I'm nervous. This is kind of like some journalist shit. Like, <laughs> yeah, going to a, a star's hotel room to interview them. So. Oh, yeah. I've become increasingly less a big deal as the conversation goes on. <laughs> Excellent. But um, thanks for joining us. What brings you to our fair country? Oh, well, I'm here on tour. Um, I'm kind of, I've kind of been experimenting with this idea of touring, kind of like uh, my fiance is a musician, and so I've been kind of like thinking, well, you know, bands go on tour, so why can't coaches go on tour? And I think, uh, I don't know if I'm the first to do it. I think Smarty Pants did a little bit of a tour of Australia herself, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so I was just kind of toying with the idea. And because um, there was quite a few leagues from here that had contacted me um, in pretty much the same period of time. Mm-hmm. And Alabama Hurley from South Island Sirens, South Island Sirens, mm-hmm. um, you talked to her earlier. Yep. She um, She was kind of like helping me brainstorm a little bit on places to go and everything. And I was just like, do you, do you just want to be my tour manager? And, yeah. um, I, you know, I was like, I'll coach some extra time in your league, and, you know, if you help me organize this. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, um, sure, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, neither of us know what the fuck we're doing, but, you know, we're just kind of figuring it out as we go along. So she kind of managed the tour and did a lot of the negotiations that I would normally do myself. Um, and so out of that came a six-city tour, um, starting in Hobart and ending, uh, you know, and then four cities in 
um, Australia. I don't count Tasmania as Australia. No, neither do we. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, those could be, be slack. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, Mainland Australia. It's a different yeah. place. Yeah, completely. You know, well, and, Hawaii's uh, part of the states. Yeah, well, not really though. <laughs> and then yeah, and then I'm going to end in New Zealand, the last city, okay. uh, which is more which is more part of Australia than Tasmania is. <laughs> yeah, well, I kind of see them both as like our Hawaii. Yeah. Yes, you know, and like Hawaii, there is no reason that should be an American state. It is <laughs> nothing like the states at all. It's yeah. actually it's like a Starbucks. It's um, it's like the most amazing place in the world, actually. Yeah. Hawaii. Have you ever been? No, it's on my list. D- yeah, it's yeah. On put, my it, list. put it at the back of your list, though. Here's why: you go to Hawaii, and then it just fucking ruins any other place that you want to travel to in life. So oh. I gotta go to the motherland. Oh yeah, <laughs> are you no, Hawaiian? No, um, we haven't. That's ongo- kind of a, a little ongo- joke that we have. Yeah. yeah, Nigel. My derby name was chosen as the Big Kahuna. Oh yeah, Big Kahuna. Yeah. Um, I'm of mixed ethnicity. My mom's Filipina. My dad's uh-huh. Australian. Uh-huh. And because you get that whole blended thing, no one really knows which country you're from. Yeah, yeah. And you're racially up, ambiguous. That's right. So growing up, I just used to say, yeah, I'm Hawaiian. Just you know, get it over with. Yeah, I'd you get, could totally pass I'd, for it. Yeah, I'd get t- Samoan, I'd get Tongan, and, and like, I we have a lot of um, those islanders in Australia. Uh-huh. So Samoans, Tongans, Maoris, that sort of thing. And I'd actually got people coming up to me speaking in Maori. And I wouldn't understand what they were saying. You're like, uh-huh. So to get over, get, get past, I'm, I'm Hawaiian. And people are like, <laughs> okay, I know nothing about Hawaii, so I'll just trust that you are. Uh-huh. And so, yeah, yeah it's yeah. a little bit of a joke. That- it, Nigel makes fun of me all the time because I'll occasionally speak some, I'll say something in Spanish, I'll say something like really Latino, go, oh, so you're Mexican? And I'm like, no, I'm not Mexican. Oh, I'm Argentinian. Never like, say that. No, I'm not Mexican. I don't know. She's in Mexico, but not Mexican. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, people are pretty particular about their dialects and where they're from. Especially South Americans. <laughs> yeah, South Americans for sure. Yep. For sure, although roller derby is also exploding in Mexico. It is. We should mention that. It is. I see it all on Facebook. Facebook. Yeah. So, look, you just didn't become Bonnie Destroyer. You just weren't born an amazing skater, I'm assuming. Um, <laughs> it didn't happen overnight. We all know it takes a lot of hard work. Who helped you along your way? Who who really set the path for you to become what you are today? Oh, what an interesting question. <laughs> oh, you have stumped me, madam. Let me think about this. Um, well, I, I started in a time where there wasn't really a whole lot of other people doing it. So I think... I I mean, I definitely looked up to um, Buckshot Betsy from TXRG, and, you know, I think she's long since retired, but at the time she was just, like, this, like, sprightly little, mm-hmm. like, happy player, and I was just like, yeah, I totally, I totally feel that vibe. Mm-hmm. I totally feel like a, like a happy person. And um, so, because when I first started roller derby, it was interesting. I had, like, this weird, like, existential crisis where I was just like, this is a, this is a very aggressive sport and I'm kind of a hippie. Like I'm not sure how to reconcile this. And, mm-hmm. and it was like to see somebody like happy while they're skating really. Especially because it's a pretty aggressive sport and for someone to be like happy go lucky all the time. So it's good. It's good yeah. to stand out from the pack. That way. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't know her personally outside mm-hmm. of like embarrassing myself of <laughs> meeting her in a bathroom once, but, um, but just, you know, but you could just tell she had that energy and I was, you know, I would say I was kind of influenced by that. Um, and then, and then other than that, I was just always trying to be, be the one that was doing the things that I thought were missing, Oh, okay. you know, in terms of coaching and playing and everything like that. Be, there, 
Is um, that why you started San Diego? Because I know you started at LA and then you started San Diego. So is that why, why did you feel the need to start San Diego? Um, because I lived in San Diego. That's good. That's a good reason. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I actually never lived in Los Angeles. Okay. Um, that was just the only league in California. Mm-hmm. Uh, only league anywhere besides Austin, Texas, at the time. And I think there was one starting at the same time in Arizona. But, um, yeah, it was like I was actually going to move to Texas Mm -hmm. because I heard that roller derby was there, and I didn't actually know what that meant. Um, It was just kind of a gut feeling, and I'm a little impulsive. Mm -hmm. Um, I was like, okay, going to Texas. But um, but while I was kind of, you know, researching that, um, I found out there was a league in L.A. So... Um, so I did that, and I would probably still be commuting to L.A. to this day if I hadn't, like, completely gone through this, like, financial crisis. Um, uh, my trade is I'm, I'm a barber. Oh, cool. And, uh, well, I was a barber. Mm-hmm. I'm now a roller derby coach. But uh, back then, for 10 years, I was a barber, and uh, my main clientele was uh, United States Marine Corps. Mm-hmm. So when they all started getting shipped to Iraq... Um, it basically caused, like, I went through a recession long before the rest of the world did. Right. It was just like, boom, income cut in half overnight, just gone. Wow. Um, so I was faced with this choice. It was right around uh, right around the time I was really getting into roller derby. So I was faced with this choice. It's like you, you're going to either have to work twice as much to make up for that money or you're just going to have to fucking let it all go. Scary. Yeah, just $25,000 in debt overnight, pretty much. Lost my truck, so I couldn't drive to L.A. anymore. Took the train for a while. It was really unreliable. Um, you know, I had to leave practice a half hour early, oh. all this stuff, and, you know, three-hour train ride, and it was just like, I don't think this is going to work anymore. And I was just like, what do you guys think about having a league in San Diego? And they're like, yeah, yeah, do it. And um, I'm like, all right, go ahead, do it. <laughs> I didn't totally realize that meant I was going to be doing it. That's awesome. Um, it wasn't like I was like, I'm going to pioneer this thing. It was just like, you guys should totally do this. I'll and help. I'll be there. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, Derby isn't DIY. Like, people say it's, like, YDI, you mm-hmm. know? It's like, you do it. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's how it works. So um, at that time, that was my time to do it. <laughs> so... Just so our Australian listeners can mm. get a bit of context, San Diego to LA is a three three hour. It's three hours in really bad traffic, yeah. and because I was leaving the house at like five in the afternoon, uh, it was really bad traffic to get there by eight. So um, yeah, it would take three hours to get there, but it would only take um, usually an hour and a half, two hours to get home. Okay. Mm. So I'm still driving two hours after an intense training session. It's probably the last thing you want to be doing. You know, I didn't actually mind it at the time. Okay. I was only 22 when I first started. So excited about everything in life. (laughs) Like the person that you're meeting today is an extremely toned down version of, of who I started out back then. Just super hyper, just really excited. Just like a, like a freaking live wire all the time. (laughs) And I was also jacked up on Red Bull the whole time. So (laughs) that, that certainly didn't help. Um, but you know, I would just drive down there and listen to music and sing and smoke lots and lots of cigarettes and just like visualize all the awesome things about Mm -hmm. roller derby that I love. And then on the way home, just reliving every moment, you know, and just like, I I can't say that it was all bad. Mm -hmm. It really wasn't. I had a good time with that. You learned a lot from it, obviously. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We were just speaking with the sirens before this, um, about how, like, what is it about derby that got them hooked? Mm. Now, you sound like someone that when that bug bit, mm. it bit 
fucking hard mm. to the point where you want to move interstate to the point where you're travelling three hours like what was it about Derby that hooked you in so wholly um, I can't answer that because it was just an intuitive feeling um, I didn't have like anything I was particularly good at before and um, I wasn't that great of a skater um, I just had some thrift store skates and would skate around town or whatever but but I did really really enjoy skating mm-hmm. and so I think I was just trying to find what can I do with skating and there's was like oh there's something you can do with skating and you have to understand like I'm somebody who like always wanted to be in a band but never could play an instrument okay. and I can't sing I to save my feeling. life you yeah. know what I mean yeah I think we all say that yeah. yeah and then you realize like well, I don't really want the music. I just want the band. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I just want my crew, my, my people that I can travel with and have fun with and all that. And I don't think I entirely realized what... I mean, I didn't even know what the sport was. It, I mean, it was hardly a sport even at the time. Mm-hmm. It was like a mishmash of ideas of the old days and, and some new ideas. And I just went, I don't know what that is, but that's for me. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And, and I'm I'm just rash enough to make entire life choices in a second like that. <laughs> so know? far it seems like it's working out. Well, yeah, yeah. There's been good times and there's been hard times. You know, it's been it's been huge. But um, but the thing is, like, uh, you know, I think everybody has that hole inside of them that they just like try to find ways to fill it up. And for me, roller derby's been the only thing that really kind of like silences that monster you know where it's just I was really self-destructive before Mm -hmm. that and I was just moving out of a really toxic phase in life where I was just like I can't live like that anymore I Mm -hmm. can't just live just to drink and potty and yeah and just you know just wander you know, I needed some kind of structure in my life that wasn't too structured. I was going to say Adobe structure. Yeah, well, just something to be passionate about. I didn't never had a passion before. Yeah. You know, I always knew I wanted to be a writer, but nobody gives a fuck what a 22-year-old has to say. Yeah. So I knew I was going to have to wait before that was really going to be mm-hmm. something I could get to. So I just had this goal. I just want to live an interesting life, and then I can be a writer later. And um, I cannot wait for the point of destroy biography. <laughs> Autobiography, Auto sorry. Uh, too soon, too soon. <laughs> yeah, like all the, you know, when, um, Doesn't like, Justin Bieber have one already? How do I, he's been around for like a week. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> How much reflection can that kid really have? To <laughs> That's it, yeah, true. I don't know, though. Um, have you seen that Justin Bieber people, movie? I haven't watched it. I haven't watched it. But people, like, grown men have cried. Yeah, I'm not going to comment on that. Okay. <laughs> oh, big is big softy. It was a good documentary. I, dude, I know. Yeah. I was crying on the fucking airplane. Yeah, it's a good documentary. And I'm like, everyone, everyone, and like, it's the only movie on. Let's everyone see. on the plane is watching it, and I'm like, oh my god. Oh, why? <laughs> Everybody I know who's watched it, like, has watched it on a plane and been like, I would never watch that at a, on my ordinary life, but oh my god, <laughs> like I was so emotional and so he's so into it. And yeah, you know, to be honest, I might read his biography because I'm into biographies. Same, yeah. And he's yeah. he's kind of deep for a kid. Yeah, let me just say that I will never say never. <laughs> oh. Yeah, let me just say I'm gonna make a heart shape with my hand. <laughs> but speaking of, like, you said you wanted to be a writer, and everyone, I know everyone would absolutely consume the Bonnie Destroyer autobiography but uh, I love reading your blog thank yes. you like, it's just a great read and so many insights into 
not only the sport that we love, but you as a person. You're hilarious. So you're so funny. Not only oh, absolutely yeah. hilarious, funny, but raw as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You, there's not a lot that you're not willing to share. Yeah. How's the reception been to putting your life out there? To live and like really Derby. putting and making yourself vulnerable. Um, pretty fucking awesome. <laughs> I have to say, like, yeah. Um, I've always been a really honest person. My problem has not been uh, not being able to share. It's always been like, I want to share, I want to share, I want to share. And like people are like, whoa, that's a lot. I wasn't asking for your sharing right then. So um, for me to actually have an outlet where I can share and um, and it's not like in somebody's face, like they can choose to to go to it or not. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I wasn't I wasn't like a blog person before that. The word still sounds weird to me. Mm-hmm. Um, it does. <laughs> yeah. Like it's a weird word. I just I mean it's been explained to me many times where it comes from and it's still very weird. Well, for the, you know, is it that? Yeah. There you go. I'm going to have to nerd. <laughs> no, that's cool. No, I've had it explained. It just still is a, it doesn't like, quite roll off the tongue. Mm. But anyways, no. Um one thing that's cool about Blogger is that um it keeps very specific statistics. Mm. So I can see how many people read it per day. I can see what countries they're from. And I can see, like, what brought them to it. Like, what, if it was a link from another site or something yeah. like that. And it was just like, whoa, it was really eye-opening. There's people from countries that I didn't even know roller derby existed in. And it was just like, this is crazy, you know? I, I can't believe that, you know, anybody would... It's such a good feeling. ...care. <laughs> You know, well, and sometimes there's like... we started the podcast, and we looked at the statistics, because we run through Blogspot as well. Oh, you are? Yeah. yeah. And I was like, we got someone in Vietnam. I was like... <laughs> Me too. Oh, awesome. I was like, Vietnam, really? Yeah, fucking Nam, really? Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I was like, yes, go. Oh, oh so you yes. know about the stats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm thinking, like, I'm king... teaching you something. No, no, not just the king of stats, believe me. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. Well, I always heard you could keep stats through a website, yeah. but I never, you know, been very savvy. Yeah. Mm. But Blogger just makes it so easy. Yeah. It's a great read. You've um with going still on your blog, you know, you started with LA Derby Dolls in two thousand and three, you started Dance San Diego in two thousand and five, and with your blog you've given yourself one year to write about your journey. Why only a year? I just I just needed to give myself some kind of structure. Okay. And you know what's funny is um it's totally turned into something completely other than what I had intended. I thought I'm just gonna tell my story. And then it all of a sudden it turns into like here are the deeper lessons and meanings of things that I have come to know. You know, it's just like, whoa, like, I don't even know where this is coming from half the time. I don't write unless I feel totally inspired now. Because before I was trying to keep myself on a schedule and trying to, like, you know, tell the next installment of my story. And it's just like, you know what, a lot of my story is too raw still. It's too soon. Okay. Like, my story is completely intertwined with a lot of other people's. And I'm not going to be able to tell it all right now okay. because um, it's inter- intertwined with a lot of other people's and there's a lot of heartbreak. And um, I'm not really sure how to tell elements of that story without uh, defaming people mm-hmm. who are known. Mm-hmm. And I, But there, there's some of the lessons that have been the hardest for me to learn and that's the stuff I really, really want to share. But at the same time, I'm trying to find a mature way to do it without completely assassinating somebody's character even if they have a terrible character yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying yeah, very good very true of you yeah, yeah well you know I'm trying I'm trying to think about karma and just you know you don't you don't want to be a dickhead I try to be really responsible with you know you're in a position of influence you know of you're it, when you're when people look up to you you, know, you kind of have to think about like 
I don't know, would I be proud of this in a couple of years? When did, when did you realize that people looked up to you? Um, I don't know. Do you, do you still, does it still I feel weird, it's... the fact that people, like, you know, we're sitting in a room with Bonnie Destroyer and we are wrapped. I can tell you the butterfly uh, had walking through this door out of control. See, I don't usually hear that. Oh, well, okay, I'm pretty honest. I don't usually hear that. People hold it together cool. pretty well. I ha- no, I have no issues with telling people how much I admire them because I just think, well, you know, you've taken time out to share your gift with me, so I'm going to tell you how important it is to me. Well, thank you. That's all right. That's cool. Um, but, <laughs> this is so sweet. Um, just, yeah, I guess, did you... Well, um, I guess, like, okay, here's one way that I can say this. When, um, there was, when I, there was a time in Derby Dolls, it was a while back, when, um, somebody kind of geeked out on me a little bit, and it, and it really bothered me. Like, I was, like, like, kind of shaken by it. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was just like, I, I I don't know about this. Because I, I know Whippet made it kind of cliche to say, like, be your own hero, but I've kind of always had that mentality, um, with, without using that verbiage specifically, but it was, but since 2004 for me, this is, or 2005, this has been about creating female role models. And so it's always been like, you know, be some, be somebody that, you know, young people could look up to, but I was trying to make the sport somebody that people could look up to. I d- hadn't really considered that I would be that person. Yeah, the face. Yeah, and then, and it really weirded me out. And I was talking to Demolicious, the founder of LA Derby Dolls, about it. And I was just like, because I'm very much about self-reliance, you know? And I was just like, no, I don't think people are getting it. Like, don't project that on me. Like, do your own thing, you know? Be, be your own person, you know? And be your own hero. It's just, it's funny that it's... It fits, mm-hmm. you know, oh. it just fits. And I don't want that to be cliche because it really is kind of, uh, profound. Um, and I was just like, you know, going off to her, but you know, having a self-indulgent rant, at least like, I just, I think people are missing the point here. Like, you know, it's not supposed to be about any one of us. It's supposed to be about, you know, you as an individual and your journey and, you know, just not really getting it. And she was just, you know, she kind of broke it down for me and she's like, look, you know, sometimes people aren't sure how to be that person just yet, you know, and they kind of need to look at somebody else to get an idea of what that might look like. And I was just like, Oh, (laughs) well, don't I feel like a dickhead, you know? (laughs) Like, okay. (laughs) Okay. I guess I get that. But I just, I guess I've always been so ambitious and just thinking about how incomplete I am that I hadn't really considered that, that that would look like, (laughs) you know, something to look up to to other people, uh, uh, you know, at the time I'm kind of, I've kind of become more accustomed to the idea yeah. now, but at the same time, it's like, um, it's still just a little strange Yeah, because you, you live in your own skin, you know, your own experience. And, and it's just like, dude, I've just been doing this for a long ass time. And like people who've been around half as long are accomplishing just as much mm-hmm. skating wise, you know, they have examples to look at and, and the fire, and it's just like, man, you'll be better than me in a couple of years. Just fucking just keep going, you know? That's full on. <laughs> <laughs> just talking with you now, um, it reaffirms some of the stuff that I picked up from reading a blog. Mm. First of all, you must Google image search so fucking hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, second of all... Like, <laughs> One of the things you don't necessarily pick up from watching a ga- about a roller derby and just watching it is 
the the deep personalities behind. Mm. Yeah, you know, you're seeing hard here to or shallow as the case may be. Exactly right. <laughs> you don't necessarily get to know too much of the personality of the skaters. They're just skaters that are skating and they hit and they go to turn left and mm. they win and they're happy and they drink and they party and blah blah blah. Mm. But you're so fucking deep. Like I feel like <laughs> really like an intellectual midget. That's ridiculous. The philosophy is the zenness of Bonnie Destroyer. Uh, we were speaking with Alabama Hurley yeah. the other night, and I because I commentated the game, and one of the things I noticed the South Island Sirens doing was this. Oh, <laughs> they, they, they got <laughs> the dirt they, off their shoulder. The dirt yeah, off their shoulder and I was sitting there going, I got that from Jay Z. Yeah, I was like, oh, <laughs> this girl's really like Jay Z. <laughs> I go, that's amazing. And then she said, no, it was actually Bonnie Destroyer. And, and I was like, oh, wow, yeah, reading the blog, there's so much, Yeah. I guess, the philosophy behind Derby and what you've been able to bring to it. Tell us about how, what your thought process is in, you know, I guess the philosophy of Derby and the philosophy of Bonnie Destroyer. Oh, well. That's a big question. How I about know. that? Just, <laughs> sorry. I'm just going to put that away. Well, I'm <laughs> it out there already, so. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, you know, those blogs take about four or five hours to do. Because of all the Google images? <laughs> well, I don't use Google, but I can't tell you my secrets. Uh, I use Google for other things, but right. not the blog. Um, but, yeah, so it takes like four or five hours to figure out the answer to that question with one small aspect of roller derby. So to talk about just the, the whole thing... Just give me a second to wrap my head around that. It feels like a big existential uh, I guess maybe, craziness. Maybe from the point of view that people approach it like a sport. And yeah. You do, these are the fundamentals, this is how you skate, this is strategy, this is this. But maybe don't take into consideration the intellectual side of it or mm. the, the personal philosophy side of it. Of, Sure. Brushing the dirt off your shoulders and yeah. finding your, your zen space or whatever the case may be. Yeah. And you're able to, in some of your coaching sessions, from what I've gathered, is bring that that aspect to it and really add another dimension to coaching and boot camps and all mm. that sort of thing. Well, okay. First of all, thank you. That's a beautiful compliment <laughs> and I accept. Um, <laughs> um, I, I t- I've done a lot of studying. Um, so just a little bit longer than I've been involved with roller derby, which is eight years now. Mm-hmm. Eight years. Yes, I have it eight years. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. Um, and it's like dog years too. So I'm like ancient <laughs> at this point because each one of those is like a lifetime, um, with all the lessons that you can learn that you can learn. The opportunity is there, but I think a lot of people quit before they get that chance because the pressure can just be so heavy. Yes. Um, you know, from having bad social interactions and stuff like that. But for a little bit longer than I've been in roller derby, I've been uh, really deep into my spiritual studies, um, really deep into psychological studies. I'm really deep into um, people who are successful. What are their stories? Like, I've, I've read so many biographies. And not only people who are successful, but people who are failures. If they have their story out there, I read that too. Just like, and it's hard to get through, but I'm just like, what exactly is the mentality of a failure? And how can I just stay as far away from that as possible? Mm -hmm. Right? Like, you know, Mm -hmm. all the blame and like, you know, deflection and of of personal responsibility and everything like that. That's like the mentality of a loser. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, nobody is totally lost in life. You can always turn it around. You can always fix it. 
you know, I cried tears when I watched Mike Tyson's story. Yeah. yeah. You know, have you seen it? Yeah. It's pretty rough. Yeah. You know, it was just like, man, I really want him to be great, but I still think he's kind of a psycho. But, yeah. But I really want him to win. You know, yeah. I want him to come back and and not be crazy. But he's still kind of weird with women, you yeah, know. Yeah, like, yeah. Let's not forget what happened. He's all nice and cool now, but let's not forget what happened. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of... Yeah, but anyways, coming back to Live Love Derby. Um, <laughs> and so... So I try to find ways to bring everything back to roller derby, all these studies, all these things that I am interested in. For a long time, I really felt like, you know, you're going to sound really preachy if you talk about this stuff. Mm -hmm. So I kind of sat on it for a long time and just tried to like, just, I don't know, when you're still not totally sure who you are and how you feel about things, like you're kind of fumbling through life trying to figure it out. And so this whole like philosophy that I have going on in the Zen thing, this is a fairly recent development. Right. You know, it's like it's like I'm I'm coming out of the closet uh, <laughs> metaphysically because the truth is there's no aspect of the game that I've ever looked at that wasn't that didn't incorporate my study of like you know energy and um, in group dynamics and you know everything it all comes together sure. it all comes together and it's really taken me this long to be able to verbalize that to have a language to talk about it without feeling like I'm going to get judged and I feel like now that I do get it I have a, an obligation to say these things because everyone thinks about it but most people are afraid of being judged if they go if they go too deep you know what I'm saying yeah but it's not that I'm so deep. It's just that I've just decided I finally I finally can talk. I can finally say these things and feel confident enough that I have softened my approach enough that it's not um, totally uh, aggressive at other people. Mm-hmm. Because I didn't start off that way. I started off fairly preachy and aggressive and um, overbearing and, you know, shoving my shit down people's throat. <laughs> you know, I'm a work in progress still, just mm-hmm. like everybody else. Yeah. But um, but in the beginning, you know, I was so passionate about these things that I very passionately believed in. And it's just like, and here it is, you know, and, and here's some honesty. You know, I've always been very honest and very blunt. And, like, so it's it's taken a lot of really, like, harsh interactions with other people and big blow-ups and... And, and just, like, getting emotionally ground down, you know, to nothing and having to build myself back up again to realize, like, how to say these things. Yeah. Where it's like, I, I'm, I'm sharing, but I'm also leaving the door open. If you don't agree, it's cool, you know? <laughs> okay. It speaks highly of our sport to the point where, I mean, sports psychology is a fairly recent development in the grand scheme of sports. Yeah. And I guess our, our sport is still young and it's getting to a point now where people want to absorb so much they want to get better mm. that they're receptive to things like that that can really be a difference maker or a differentiator or at least improve their game. Um, totally. You know, and I guess if someone were to sit and analyse, the fact that this is a recent development for you just also happens to coincide when you're getting to a point now where you're able to do this full time. Sure, you yeah. Know, like that's that's got to be... I guess good uh, good to know that I'm now being honest, I'm now being open and I'm sharing all these different thoughts and it also coincidentally or not yeah. I'm now doing this professionally. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like that's amazing. Well, it's not a coincidence. That was a goal on a piece of paper that's before right. yeah. before it was a reality. I wasn't suggesting it was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but 
I mean, you know, everything that I've accomplished along the way has all been a goal at some point, you know, and just um, and achieving your goals is just a, is a process of just taking all the mental blocks out of the way. And once you, that door is finally open and you really feel pretty good about yourself, then, then it's cool, you know. Um, and I feel like I've always really embraced change, and you kind of have to. Um, and then, um, and so if you're just constantly evolving, um, while you're like setting all of these goals for yourself, um, you're evolving in your accomplishing goals. And each time you do, you just feel so much more capable. I mean, look at the, you know, I'm sure the first time you thought of doing the podcast, it was just kind of like, this is kind of a crazy idea, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and now it's just your life. Now it's just what you do. Yeah. Yes. Right. You know, you just talk to people in their hotel rooms that's what you do all day all day yeah <laughs> but you know what i mean like yeah. you you just you normalize an idea and it becomes a part of you and then um and then you do it and that's how it goes and for me i always wanted to be able to openly share my experience with people i'm i'm a share i'm a sagittarius i want to talk i want to talk about me yeah you know it's just i'm very admittedly want to talk about myself you know, <laughs> I want to talk about myself. I want to talk about myself, and I want the right to forum for yeah. it. Yeah, I want to share my experiences. I want people to learn from what I've learned, but but I also really like to hear other people's experiences too. And one really cool thing about the position that I'm in right now is that I'll put something out there, like you know, on the blog, and then somebody will send me a personal email of just like this incredible story. You know, they're just like, well, if you if you can share, I can share, and they'll just send me like this this amazing thing that happened with them, a revelation that they had that's either similar or slightly related, or maybe even completely unrelated. It just kind of it just kind of inspired them to share, and it was like, wow, fuck, thank you. Yeah. You know, I love that. Do you also get pictures of cats? <laughs> yeah, people sometimes send me funny pictures and funny videos. Oh, my brother sends the best. <laughs> when we were kids, me and my brother both wanted to be comedians, and we would like compete to see like who could make like our mom or each other laugh the hardest. And like we weren't allowed to sit across from each other at mm-hmm. the dinner table because we would compete while we were eating no, and like so just wait for the right moment for someone to have like a mouthful of food and just be like something funny. You know, that's like, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I just I just feel like you know with with him and me both, I just feel like we have it in us to want to be entertainers. You know, we have the whole tragic background to back it up. You know, tragic life behind it, where you're just like you know I just want to make the world a little bit brighter. That'll make me feel a little bit better too. You know, and um, so you know it's been a real it's been a real gift to have roller derby because it's so there's so many it's just so new and raw still. Um, even after all these years where you can still kind of, it can be your creative outlet. You know, if you, if you're not particularly good at art or singing or anything else, you can be creative because it's like, it's like in a whole environment, you know, where you can, it's like a lifestyle where you Mm -hmm. can just kind of decide, like, I want to find some way to express myself in this. And, you know, as you know, as you're doing I've always held that belief that there's every person has to have some form of outlet. Yeah. Like whether it's yeah writing in a journal or singing or writing you know writing songs, making a movie, whatever. Yeah. People are creative beings. Yeah. Mm. Has to get out somewhere. Totally agree. And Derby is just a new avenue for that to come out. I guess. So. It really is because I always felt like I was an artist without an art. Mm. No, it's perfect way of putting it. You it's know. Really cool. It's like fuck. 
I wish I could draw. That'd be great, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, look at people, like, you know, these starving artists and just think their life is just so glamorous. <laughs> you know, I just want to have that. And, you know, I just I remember feeling that way, like, just being, like, really envious of people who had creative talents because I hadn't figured mine out yet. Outside of writing, but he just, again, I didn't have anything to say yet, yeah. you know? And, um... And it's, I think that's pretty cool about roller derby is that, um, and I think that's kind of what makes some people just like latch onto it with the jaws of life and other people are like, oh, this is fun for now and mm -hmm. I'll go do something else later, you know, and I think we just need it. Yeah. We just fucking, we breathe. Ah! We breathe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So being, I guess, a pioneer in the sport, mm. like... 2003 to that eight years is a long time mm. in a 10-year sport. Yeah. Um, 10-year-old sport. How has Derby changed in that time? Like, how have you seen it? Do <laughs> no. you like where it's going? Do you like what it is? Um, well, besides the fact that we wear protective gear now, <laughs> um, besides that, like, I know people it's changed sit, a bit. <laughs> you hear people go, oh, in, in my day, mm. yeah, back in the good old days or whatever, yeah. was it the good old days or do you like where it is now? Do you like where it's going? Um, I've, uh, there's just so much beauty and so much, um, horror in all of it. <laughs> it's like a really a mixed bag, yeah. you know? Um, there was, there was definitely like a freshness and an innocence of the early days, but I, I say that, I say that knowing just how debaucherous it was, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. people would show up to practice drunk. And it was like, you know, maybe we should have a rule against this. Like, <laughs> this isn't, like, this isn't safe. <laughs> you know, um, it's just, it's definitely a different time. And, you know, I've been around longer than WFTDA has been around. Yeah. And I've always skated with the Bank Track League. So you can see how the, uh, the evolution of things has been mm -hmm. kind of interesting for me. Um, you know, not that I haven't always skated flat track too, because nobody just pops right out of the womb with a bank track, like, yeah. like you, the derby womb, so to speak. <laughs> but, um, so it's been an interesting, it's been an interesting journey for me personally, being a bank track lover in a flat track world. Yeah. You know? Well, what was, I guess for a little bit of history, what was the perception of the flat track boom when it started taking off? And there's this small bunch of blank bank track skaters, was it? Were you seen as like... Well, when I started, the majority of leagues were banked track. Yeah, that's yeah. what I mean. Like, <laughs> but so, but <clears throat> we didn't use the term banked track and flat track. That was... that was Had to be introduced. That was created yes. by the WFTDA. Right. Right. Uh, okay. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. There was a bitter thing going on in Austin. Mm -hmm. And it feels weird even talking about it because I feel like I'm airing other people's dirty laundry. <laughs> okay. It's like one of those things where no like, I'm not uses. sure if it's too soon. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm not sure if it's too soon. But, um, but yeah, there was this weird thing going in Austin where they just didn't like each other. And so I feel like the, but you know, my you perception. Feel like you had to be on. My perception on the is side. that, uh, no, not at all. I no. never did. My perception is that they wanted to differentiate from the other town in their city. That was the first league split, you have mm -hmm. to understand. And mm -hmm. you see how tumultuous and awful they are now. Just imagine if it was the first time it ever happened. Yeah. You know, it was, I mean, there's a documentary about it and, and a book. You know, mm -hmm. it's just like this awful, awful thing that happened. And it made people very, very bitter. And, you know, while we can be so, like, you know, mature and philosophical now, at the time, these were just very raw people with very raw emotions, just like raw passion without any... Um, 
any cautionary tales to follow. They were the cautionary tale, yeah. you know, going through their ridiculous tumultuousness. And, and unfortunately, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and say this, um, publicly, but, uh, you know, the, the flat track league really, the league that didn't get the, the track in the divorce mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. decided to make flat track a term Yeah, okay. and, um, and really took that flag and ran with it. And, and really encouraged other people to use this term. And, um, and I saw it as really divisive at the time. Right. And I still kind of do. Yeah. It's hard not to. <laughs> it's hard not to. I say that also being a person who is assistant coach for Team USA, where not one person on that team is not a major player in the WFTDA. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? So you have to understand, like, that's my history, but my present, my present time is is uh is based on reflections of that Mm -hmm. but at the time i just i just really got the creeps i got the creeps when that happened the same way i got the creeps when uh when 9-11 happened and i was watching um all the jingoism happen in my country all the people start buying american flags and never gave a fuck about our country before and seeing like the and feeling like this fever pitch like this fervor happening where people are getting like we love america we love america we love america we hate you you know how scary it was awful for me i i cried daily over this i was i felt like so like uh, we we watched it on tv and we were freaking out i felt like i was an alien in my americans are crazy i felt like i was an alien in my own country like i don't know you people i don't understand you like good friends of mine start wearing american flags and shit and i was just like what are you do? What are you doing? And what do you? What's the point? Where's this all going? Yeah. Mm. You know, it felt really divisive, and it, I kind of felt the same way with the with bank the f- with the bank track flat track thing. It's like, why are you using this term flat yeah, track? Who had the Who had the jingoism? Were bank track people like bank track? Fuck everything else. No, was it? it was never like that. Okay. It was okay. never like that, and it wasn't bank track again. Wasn't a term. Yeah, it was a goal. It was like we we played, you know, even in LA Derby Dolls, we played flat track in the beginning. We didn't call it that. We called it we're practicing until we can, until, and, you know, and fundraising until we can get a track. It was just get a track. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As far as we knew, roller derby was played on a track, and so that's what we were going to do. Right. Right? And it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't to be against anybody else or to spite anything else. Yeah. We didn't really understand what was going on in Texas. Yeah. You know, much, much the way that everyone that uses the term flat track roller derby doesn't understand why that gives me the creeps every time I hear it to this day. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll try not to say You know what I'm well, saying? I say I had, I don't know much about that story. So I didn't, I didn't understand what's the big deal yeah and now hearing you talk about it, I'm like, well, you know what? That would have been a big deal for anybody involved in black in, in Bank track or derby. It derby. just well, it just it's it, it, for a derby. minute there. It felt like like yes, we are all in this together. And then all of a sudden, it was like, wait, you don't you wait, what's going on? Yeah, mm-hmm. why are you making this big distinction? And why does everyone else that you meet have to make that distinction also? And why does it have to feel like you have a special club that we don't get to be part of? Yeah, you know and. And I and I really pounded on the door of WFTDA for a long time, trying to get some recognition there. Just being like, "Look, hey, I have a very competitive team here, and we can we can play on the flat ground if yeah. you want to. Yeah, of course. <laughs> it's yeah. not a big deal." And in the beginning, there the the there was a flat track, uh, there was a WFTDA league in California that 
actually was afraid to play against my league mm-hmm. because they thought they might get kicked out of the WFTDA. So you can just imagine how that would feel yeah, yeah, on so that yeah. end. I'm like, really? Because I helped you yeah. start your league. Do that. Yeah. <laughs> I coached your league. You know, it, yeah. was, it was weird. It was a weird, weird time, you know. And as it turned out, of course, nobody was going to get kicked out mm-hmm. for that. But it, there was this, like, feeling, you know, that it was just... It was weird. I mean, and I would, I would, I was super obnoxious about it. Mm-hmm. Again, like I said, this is a, you're talking to a toned down, you know, more evolved version. I was a firecracker and a table pounder back then. Yeah. And so I would go to like a WFTDA, like, um, led, uh, meetings at RollerCon, mm-hmm. you know, seminars that they would have. And I would bring all the derby dolls in with me wearing our shirts and be like, why won't you play us? Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the president at the time was like, well, that's stupid. We'll play you, you know, and they never did. Mm, yeah. But other people did. Other people did because it was like, we're here. We're here calling you out. Mm-hmm. You know, why won't you play us? Now, is that how I would go about things now? No. You know, I'm I'm a different person now than I was then. Yeah. But But at that time, it was just like, why are you trying to shut us out of a community that I helped build? You know? Like, that's, that's not cool. (laughs) And as far as everybody, as far as anybody said to my face, Mm -hmm. nobody was trying to do that. Yeah. Yeah. But there was just this feeling. Yeah. It was a feeling, you know? So how is it today then? I mean, you've got Team Legit. (laughs) Today, yeah. You've got Rocky Mountain playing. Yeah. Windy City playing on van tracks and... Well, I would be lying if I didn't say there weren't some very strategic moves to make sure that that happened. Okay. Okay, because it was... Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, no, it was like, we, we got to stop this. This has yeah. to stop. Like, we can play on the flat ground and you can play on the tilted ground and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. And so there was a lot of, you know, open-minded people who we were able to talk to and say, will you get a team together and will you play against us? Mm-hmm. We understand if you can't get your whole city involved because they don't want to spend travel money mm-hmm. on something that doesn't contribute to their ranking in the this is the only people that we play club right. right we get that but how about somebody how about anybody we'll pay you twice as much as anybody else pays you how about yeah. that you know what i'm saying in the beginning san diego derby dolls literally bribed people to play us <laughs> we're like we'll give you twice as much as everybody else's travel stipends we had to that's ridiculous we had to we that they don't have to do that now yeah you know, but that's that's my history. That's mm-hmm. that's somewhere that I've come from, and it's and you know it's weird saying it out loud because uh, because I've always just kind of sat on it and been like I don't know a mature way to say this yet, so maybe it's not time. Yeah. But here you are in my hotel room, <laughs> just getting <laughs> all the dirt, yeah, we're <laughs> getting all the yeah. dirt out of me. But but really, you know, I think we can handle it. Yeah, you can, you're good. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 in I general, mean. I think I, I think they've all debut made. Well, I, I need it, in Australia. I need lots of time to not be angry about it, too. Okay, yes. You know, to, to gain a little perspective so I can talk about it um, in a way that is not only genuine, mm-hmm. but, um, but you know, a little more understanding of both sides of things. In Australia, yeah. we don't have a single bank track yet. No. Right. So it's all flat track. And I, I don't think that proliferation of derby as a sport would not have been possible without the flat track, without that split. Yeah. It, 
because bank track is so expensive to set up. I completely agree with you. Yeah. So, Mm -hmm. and but I do think it's cyclical. We've got people in Australia, and it it is a flat track nation. Yeah. People like let's get a bank track. Oh yeah, we talk about it all the time. Every time we get derby people there, especially different derby leagues, it was like, so how can we do this? Is it possible? (laughs) How how do we get the money? Who's what council is going to let us build one? Like we're seeing in the states that there's more and more bank tracks popping up, popping up that it's going. Almost yeah. like it's going to see its own little rejuvenate, you know, revival as well. So, well, it's just like you know, it's just like anything else with roller derby. There's no reason why roller derby at all should exist. There's no reason why there should be a worldwide network of female-owned and operated businesses working in conjunction with each other when women aren't supposed to be able to get along, right? Mm-hmm. right. <laughs> um, and a lot of these women, you know, I've done some polling on my blog and on Facebook, and a lot of these women. Uh, never played a sport before and the ones that did had male coaches not female coaches and um and even them mostly hung out with guys and didn't have female friends as much as male friends you have to tickle those boxes yep (laughs) yeah and so it's interesting because you know when you first when you first experience that discovery and you're talking to somebody you go well that must be why we get along because we both hang out with guys and it's like no that's the reason you're gonna fucking make each other crazy Mm -hmm. is because you're used to hanging out with your guy friends who fucking don't judge you and also don't care about anything you say (laughs) right and female friends judge the shit out of you but they also care very deeply you know and so it's like i feel like a huge part of this is us just learning how to talk to each other like how do i talk to another woman i don't know i don't get it Especially another woman who doesn't know how to talk to another woman. And I feel like that's where all of our, like, craziness comes from. But at the same time, this craziness uh, is happening. We're we're building, we're expanding, and we're growing, you know. And this is getting away from the bank track, flat track discussion for a minute. But, yeah. but um, there's no reason it should work. And once you realize that it only works out of your sheer will of wanting it, you realize that's the same way people get bank tracks. Mm. It's just because you want it. If you decide that's what you want, and if a whole league wants it, it fucking happens overnight. Once everyone is completely on board and everyone wants exactly the same thing, they get it. That said, um, I do think bank track is is going to be the way the sport is going to be when it's professional. Yeah. Um, I don't. I've never questioned that. I've always believed that. Um, if I didn't believe that, I wouldn't have spent so much time um, skating on one. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I do believe that. But um, it's just like skateboarding, right? It's the, the guys that skate on the big vert ramps that mm-hmm. get the TV time and the big money. Yeah. But street skating is always going to be more prevalent. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. and everybody who's a everybody who's a purist yeah. is going to do street skating. Yeah. That's how it's going to be. You know, and but if you're a real badass, you could skate anywhere. You know, yeah. and not everyone's going to be on your on your professional teams. Why Why do we feel like it has to be all or nothing? Why do we? People get all like, "Well, I don't want you to take this sport away from me." It's like, dude, no one's taking shit away from you. Yeah. But somebody's going to build something professional, whether you want it or not. You know what I'm saying? So well, we're now seeing the rec leagues, yeah. specifically rec leagues, start up, and they're like, "Well, no, we don't want to be with at a stand, like you know, at that level." We're, yeah, we're there's happy. tons of people who are just like, "Can yeah. I just show up yeah. once a week? Can I, I mean, just keep my family?" Yes. That's, one thing, you know, that's one thing I did find weird about the sport that I love passionately. Like I grew up playing basketball. Yeah, and I play basketball. Not anymore, but I played basketball on a Wednesday night at Bankstown Sports Stadium, uh-huh. Division 5 men's, like, uh-huh. just, yeah, I can't play, but I play <laughs> because I love it, Yeah, right? And I'm not under any illusion that every person in that league wants to be at the NBA level. Right. 
So why can't there be just, you know, we're a league who likes playing and we're playing with each other and we'll play other leagues, but we don't necessarily need to be at big 520 level or... Right. So, yeah. Well, I feel like having been in the sport for so long and so deep into it, but then I also haven't competed... I haven't been on a, on a competitive team in 10 months now. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had time to reflect on these things and kind of zoom out and look at the bigger picture. And for me, the bigger picture is um, is not just what's this mean to me. You know, it's like, what, what, how's it going to work? How can it all work? And it's just like, dude, it's fucking simple. Simple. There is no, like... You know, it has to be competitive, or I just have to do this for fun, or it's all going to happen. Everything's going to be what it's going to be. It'll happen faster if there's more people that want something specifically. If more people wanted professional roller derby, it would be happening right now. You know, Um, as it stands, you know, it is kind of a a flat track world, and um, uh, to my knowledge, the uh, the ambitions there is, is an amateur sport which is kind of not the same as a professional sport. So I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think the WFTDA as it is now serves an an amazing purpose. Um, I I, I see, I don't see it with the same, you know, I don't drink the same Kool-Aid that everybody that first gets in Mm -hmm. drinks. You know, I see the full picture, the the better and the worse, but Mm -hmm. I see that about my own league. I see that about my own coaching. You know, I'm, I feel like you can't you can't act like anything's too great. Mm. Everything's got its pluses and minuses. Um, at the same time, that's going to be what it's going to be, and professional is also going to happen. And neither one is going to cancel the other out. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like it's it's all going to happen. And it's like you know, stop kicking and screaming so much. Just let people do what they want to do, and you do what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Don't try to stop anybody. It's not going to work. So if I was to play devil's advocate um, in all this reflection that you've done, yeah, what are the limitations on our sport? Like people want it to get to a certain level and some people don't and whatever. If it were to get into the mainstream, mm-hmm. right now, what's stopping it from getting there? Um, it's, a number it, of, it's a number of competitive bank track teams. Um, I don't know if you follow mixed martial arts at all. I do. Okay. So, you know, well, he knows (laughs) that uh, mixed martial arts was around for about 10 years before the UFC became huge. Yeah. And it was in boxing rings before. And it wasn't until they got the cage that it was like, oh. Yeah. Oh, this is is cage wrestling. This is unique. This is exciting. This isn't just some asshole doing something where people used to box. Yeah. This is its own thing now. And um, the thing, the cage, while it hasn't changed the sport at all, there's a few people that can climb up it with their feet or whatever, Mm. but the cage has changed the sport very little. It's just, it's an intimidating looking thing and it kind of makes it real. Yeah. You know, and it makes it look like those people are doing something that I couldn't really do. Yeah, it's not. Is it a gimme? People fighting in a basement or fighting in a. That just. There's actually... It's not a gimmick. It's yeah. it's their yeah. bank track. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I've and actually always... Because I like the UFC, uh-huh. mixed martial arts, and it is an infant sport as well. Uh-huh. It only started in the mid-90s. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's absolutely huge. It's outstripped yeah, yeah. boxing. It's outstripped yeah, wrestling, yeah. like, as far as pay-per-view goes. Yeah, George Solaropoulos, he's from here. He is. 
Oh, he'll be fine. He'll be fine. um, They took a sport that was banned in many places, that was like seen as a blood sport and stuff, and through almost sheer will of only a few people, Dana White and the the Zuffer Corporation, the brothers turned into a massive multi-million. Yeah, Yeah. turned into this thing, and I was like, Derby started not much longer after that. Had the same grassroots sort of thing to him, like. Let's go. Yeah. yeah. Well, you and me think a lot alike that way because um, I wasn't originally a fan of UFC. I was just like, I don't know about all that punching. Um, (laughs) And then... and then I started studying the history of it yeah. because it is a new sport that yeah. just became professional. And um, and then I got deep into it. I got deep into, like, the sport and the reader, bi- you know, the, the early fighters, biographies, and um, Dana White, anything I can find about that guy. I've had dreams where he's giving me advice. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just me and Dana White hanging out. I swear to God we're going to be friends one day. I just, <laughs> I just know it. I just fucking know it. And it's so funny because uh, Dana White... Uh, uh, and um, um, Chuck Liddell, they're a Leo and a Sagittarius, and they have this similar dynamic that me and Demolicious have, and we're like a Leo oh, and a Sagittarius, and I'm like, she's oh. just like Dana, I'm just like Chuck Liddell. <laughs> you know, it's time for me to retire, but I'm going to hang around and, you know, tell these young people what's up, you know, because I'm the athlete and she's the business. Right. And, mm-hmm. You know, it was this very similar relationship but anyways blah 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 me, that's me. awesome uh, <laughs> not a lot of dirty girls I talk to I can, yeah, oh, converse about UFC my boyfriend play, does MMA but really he's just starting out in it and I don't know much about the sport oh I've yeah I've got friends who get, get ready to get sucked in well yeah I've got friends who get in the ring and stuff and I'm just going to see them play and it just freaks the shit out of me like just like I guess it's pretty people. scary yeah like, but as far as I, I the sport goes like, there's a lot of parallels there's a lot of parallels well, yeah, there's you've a shit you've explained it to me before it started out with no rules and it's really developed into a finely tuned sport yes completely and we're going to be the same thing and the reason that worked in my opinion is not just because somebody had the vision and you know and dumped a bunch of money into it although that helped yeah (laughs) Um, I think it was because it was time that I think mixed martial arts came up because it was time for men to have a sport that they could look at that was um, people really pushing their will and doing something very raw and very real You know, um, especially in the United States, pro wrestling has been huge for a very long time. But there's like a new generation that's just like, I don't want something fake. Mm. I want something real. I want to see somebody really kick somebody else's ass. And I want to see that person be equally as good and just fucking duke it out and, Mm. you know, battle of wills. Mm -hmm. And there's something about that, that raw battle that that uh, I feel like this generation of men... Like primal nature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This generation of men really needs that. You know, and this generation of women really needs the same fucking thing. And that's why roller derby is going to do the same fucking thing. Because it's time. It's just time. In fact, it's overdue. You know? And there's enough of us that realize that, that eventually um, it's going to happen. Now, the bank track is our cage. You know, that's our octagon. And um, and uh, Demo is our Dana White, in my opinion. <laughs> and she's still looking for her Fortuna brothers. Yeah. But it's, you know, it's going to happen one way or another. Roller Derby is reaching a um, tipping point, as Malcolm Gladwell would say, um, where it's, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And, and people in flat track should be thanking God 
that there are bank track people who have the integrity of the sport in mind because that's where it's going to happen. And if it wasn't with us, it would be without us. Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? Preach. And then it would be something really messy that yeah. none of us would be proud of. Because, you know, if you think people were up in arms about, you know, the one punching scene in Whippet, just mm-hmm. imagine if all anyone ever got to see on TV was the punching version of Roller Derby. Yeah. You know, and, and which is not to totally, okay. sh- not to yeah. totally shit on that, because I know, I know people who do play that style of Roller Derby, and it makes them happy, so I wouldn't take it away from them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I wouldn't try to take that away from somebody who makes it happy, but that's not the Roller Derby that I've been working towards for eight years it's not the it's that's not the version that i want on tv if you want to do that recreationally uh more power to you there are beer leagues in every sport Mm -hmm. Mm. you know what i'm saying and i don't see why roller derby would be any different but that's not really what i want to present to the world i Mm. want it to i want it to be taken seriously just the same way that ufc has worked really hard for that legitimacy and we will it's going to happen derby dolls is going to be the ufc Uh, that's i'm completely completely (laughs) bought in on that you know and it's only going to make all of these other organizations stronger it's not going to take away from anybody you know that's how i see it but you gotta you gotta have people be open-minded and people have been very very open-minded and the wftda has become so much more open-minded and just you know the people in it are like okay we don't have a place for you in our organization, but we will work with you yeah. to whatever degree we are capable of working with you. So what do you put that down to originally? Was it just a matter of, I want to protect what I've built? And then now it's like, well, I don't need to anymore. I know it's well, safe. I can share. Uh, I mean, I think a few small pe- small-minded people were that way. I think the majority of people um, developed this jingoism for flat track, Um mostly because they had to answer to people in their community who would say, where's the bank track? Mm -hmm. And they'd be like, no, you don't understand. Flat track is where it's at. You know, because you're trying to sell your product. And so you have to have pride in your product as it is in order to sell it. And I don't think that there's really anything wrong with that. Um, I think it's totally fine. It's just like when people are like, oh, I remember the old days in the T-Birds, and I smile and I say, it's a little different now. You know? (laughs) Um, You know, but I've got the maturity of age to say that and not like, oh, that fighting was bullshit. We would never do that, and this is a real sport. It's just like, you know, that's not all necessary. But that's... But that's how people are when they're passionate about something and haven't ha- that passion hasn't had a chance to mature yet. It just comes off as fuck everything that's not what I'm doing. Mm. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I mean, I'm not. I mean, I I'm not going to say I totally felt that way at one time, but I definitely did have a more fiery version of what I am now. So going on from fuck everything that's not what Sorry, I'm doing. Sorry, it, fel- it feels like right. I just said a lot of words. <laughs> you're good, you're good. <laughs> What's the Bonnie Destroyer stance on men's derby? <clears throat> Um, it's gonna, it's gonna happen. It's gonna be what it's gonna be. Powering women and all that. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, okay, so, uh, I'll put it to you this way. When, uh, uh, there's a part of me, there's a small part of me that wants to just be like, but you have every other sport. (laughs) Why this one? Why mine? You know, I really, I don't want you to take this away from us. There's a part of me that wants to feel that way, especially when, and this is a very controversial thing I'm about to say, but especially when, if you... As someone who's studied the mechanics of the sport as much as I have, men are actually anatomically built for this much more than women are. Yes. Being the being the this triangle, right? Mm-hmm. Where they clip each other in the shoulder and they spin like tops. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and we're bottom heavy. Yeah. <laughs> so 
it's just it's more exciting to watch a guy spin around like a top than it yeah. is to watch a woman like muscle another woman out. Yeah. You know, except for the fact that we're women and sexier. You know, so we got that going for us. <laughs> yes. But um, but if you've ever watched a men's bout, it's fucking exciting as shit, whether they know what they're doing or not. It's really fun to watch. There's another podcast in the UK called The Fourth Whistle. Uh-huh. And the, the podcaster there, Finn Fury, said that she watched a men's thing and she, she said that the jammer... That was so fast, so agile. She used the word so jumpy. Yeah. That because they were able to evade blocks so much easier, it was almost a boring version of it because they were just too good almost. And it's weird to say, but (laughs) she goes, it was just like they were just so good that it almost didn't really make it as exciting. It's like eating cake every jam. (laughs) Too much cake. (laughs) (laughs) Too good. Well, I disagree, but that's only because I uh, I really admire fancy. I admire spinny. I admire skills. I really mm-hmm. love that shit. I love how high guys can jump because they're not bottom heavy. Yeah. You know? But um, at the same time, um, you know, that I felt a little bit of that, you know, and I was honest about it, a little bit of that selfishness. I was also, like, the first one to jump into, like, the co-ed scrimmages and, mm-hmm. and actually sneak guys into scrimmages, you know, a long time ago yeah. when um, they weren't allowed. Mm-hmm. I would actually sneak over and just be like, come on, just get on, you know, um, because I don't like to see people feel left out, you know. I don't, it's like, you know, you love roller derby so much. It's like your source of happiness. Why would you ever want to try to take that away from somebody else? Mm-hmm. You know, and but even though I feel that way about people individually, it was I was kind of like it's kind of like, you know, I don't know, it's kind of like how racists are like, "Well, I like people's individuals, but mm-hmm. I don't like the whole group," you know? And uh that's a little bit how I used to be. Um and then I talked to Racist. No. <laughs> no, never racist, never that. I know that was kind of controversial me even bringing that up. Uh, no, never racist, but but uh, but it's a similar um ignorant yes. frame of mind. You know, it's, it's ignorant. It's not it's the opposite of uh acceptance. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I'm just being honest that that's how I felt. Um I talked to a referee actually in England when I was coaching out there and I can't remember his name, but, um, but he was, he, he's like, so tell me, what do you think of men's roller derby? And Mm. I was like, well, dude, honestly, you know, I told him the same thing I told you, Mm. like, just can't we just have this one sport? Yeah. And, uh, and he was just like, Hey, so do you ever watch the, uh, the Olympics? I'm like, Oh yeah, sometimes. And he's like, you know, how about how about that figure skating? You watch the men? I'm like, no. <laughs> he's like, you watch the women? I'm like, yeah. yeah. He's like, so does everybody else. But the men still get to do it professionally and in the Olympics. Yeah. Nobody cares about them. They watch the women, you know. But they're still professionals, you know. And I was just like, that's a good point. Touche, sir. Yeah. And I started really thinking about that. You know, it's the same with, like, beach volleyball. Mm-hmm. Believe it or not, that's a professional sport. Yeah. Uh, nobody watches the men do it. I don't watch the men. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, why? Why would you? But, you know, they, you know, they're doing it. Yeah. They're doing it. Nobody's like, you know, you can't do this. This is a women's sport. It's just like, you can do it, but nobody cares. You know, you can do it. If it makes you happy, fucking do it because it makes you happy. But, um, I'd rather watch someone in a bikini jump around the sand, you know, like that's how the majority of people feel. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, I think he had a very, very good point. I think it's going to be just like that, 
you know, I, th- I do think ultimately when it is professionally, it will be with men too. You know, I don't think we'll play at the same time. I think co-ed is a little unreasonable. Mm-hmm. Um, only because men are stronger than women there. I said it. Oh, controversial yeah. stance. But women can do anything. No. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> yeah, strong. I want to hit by a guy. Yeah. Like if I got on the track and I had to play with, I don't know, your brother, for instance. I don't mind in a scrimmage, but in an actual competitive game, yeah. it's different. Because women don't realize in scrimmage, I've, scrim- I've scrimmaged, guys. I've played in an actual competitive game where my team played against a men's team. Okay. And both teams were playing to win. Mm-hmm. And that felt very different than a scrimmage. Um, in a scrimmage, you don't realize, even in co-ed bouts that happen right now, the women are like, yeah, I beat these guys up, blah, blah. They have no idea how much those guys are handling oh, them God. with kid gloves. Yeah, of yeah. course. They have the kid gloves on, and they are holding back because they know they only get so many opportunities to play, and they can't be a douchebag to the women because the women have their freaking, the scene by the balls, literally, mm-hmm. and and they won't get to play anymore if they really hit somebody. Yeah. And I know that a lot of women are like, no, no, blah, blah, nobody was holding back on me. Yes, they fucking were. It's just... <laughs> they were holding so, back. Science dictates. Pure physics. Pure physics mm-hmm. dictates. Mass behind momentum. Exactly. Yeah, and pure. and we are the opposites of each other strength-wise. Yeah. Women are stronger from the bottom up. Men are stronger from the top down. Right? Yes. So uh, when those two clash, we get knocked over. <laughs> <laughs> yep. We get knocked over like weeble wobbles. Yeah. And, um, and to play in a competitive game, and the guys were not trying to hurt anybody. But it, it didn't feel right to me. It felt like, yeah. you know what? They should be playing against guys. And we need to get over our little woman complexes and realize, like, you know, there's no sport in the world where the men and women play against each other professionally. Mm-hmm. They don't. There's yeah. a reason yeah, for that. Right. Absolutely. Of course. You know, there's a reason for that. You can get away with it in high school. You know, you can have your, your few token women on the football team. But when you get to the NFL, that's not happening. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, and you know, the basketball, you guys don't have the NFL. You, I don't know if you even know what I'm talking about. Well, yeah. Well, it's just we like AFL. NFL. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we have NFL, yeah. yeah. yeah we, know. we have NRL, so. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, I don't yeah, usually. Football, I think the reason, <laughs> you know, laundry football is blown up, dude. Yeah, that, awesome. that shit is blowing up. They freaking hit hard, too. Though. Yeah. They play hard, yeah. 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 Yeah, they do. And yeah, they're exploitive because they do the weird locker room scenes and well, stuff. What they're wearing on the field, though, is nothing worse than any derby girl I've you know. Right? <laughs> I know, and you should hear some skaters get all high and mighty about the, you yeah. know, oh, blah, 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 disgrace. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. Go, you know, like you didn't wear a tutu in your first game. What was that? <laughs> <laughs> We've all done shameful things. Yeah. Don't yes. you judge those women. <laughs> they just want to play. Yeah, they just want to play, and you know, and so and they, you know, they want to look hot, and that's fine. They're getting paid lots of money to do that. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting one here. Yeah. Uh, Laundry American Football League in Australia. Yeah, uh, I don't judge. I don't judge. Oh, really? Yeah. Awesome. I think it. I think it would be hard not to judge the organization harshly if they didn't accept certain women based on body type. I mm. could see how that would, mm-hmm. you know, that would be a bummer. But, um, but as far as the women that do it, whatever, they're doing it. They're playing football. They're earning respect left and right, whether they're in their underwear or not. So I don't know. Um, anyways, blah blah rant rant. I will. I want to say this. 
Um, I don't usually talk about these subjects that we're getting into because usually people don't actually like sit down and hear the whole perspective. Okay. They'll just take one sound bite of it. Like, you know, that was pervasive. And then it's like, that's, that's all you get. That's the mm-hmm. story that you get. Um, so I hope you don't do that. No, <laughs> if you can't, if you can't say a whole perspective about something, I just don't say anything at all. Yeah, we yeah. play the whole show unedited, swearing, <laughs> inappropriate talking, opinions, everything, everything yeah. we played in its entirety. So, well, most people don't have the patience or just even the time mm-hmm. to hear a full rounded, you know, explanation of mm-hmm. something. So I just don't because while some of the stuff I have to say is, you know, sounds controversial at first, yeah, it's all. It's all pretty well thought out coming from a well, you know. I think I think place. people have to respect your opinion as well. Like you've been around for eight years, you you yeah. you've grown to the. I mean, like you said, you were. A they don't have to respect it. <laughs> I kind of feel like I feel they should. If it's definitely still a choice. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Well, I think that they should be open to respecting it. <laughs> we do at a minimum. Well, thanks. <laughs> yeah, you guys are awesome. Yeah. No, we like. We've had a little bit of history. We talked mm-hmm. about the future. We talked about men's derby, everything. But what's next for Bonnie Destroyer? Um, well, uh, I'm working on a super secret project. <laughs> anything you want to let us know about? Super hints, secret? Hints. Seek hints? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's not ready to be talked about okay. just well, when yet. It when it is, can we be one of the first to know? <laughs> yeah, sure. Yes. Totally. Um, um, yeah. And, um, but, and then I guess what's really going on that I can talk about is, um, uh, my fiance, Matt is taking over as my tour manager. Um, so he's, we're going to be planning like a whole series of like road tours in the U S and, um, probably going to come back here in like April, May. And then, you know, Alabama will probably help me manage that leg of the tour, but we're, we're kind of trying to find ways to like make it a little more accessible Mm -hmm. like for example what i do right now is i spend a whole weekend with people in like 12 hours of time and charge them x amount of money for it and they invite people from other leagues or they don't and we spend some really quality time you know i mean just sit down and fucking just hammer away at strategy because i'm mainly a strategy coach at this time um strategy and, and technique and um and it's great you know it's really enriching and we sit down and talk about setting goals and we talk about the mental game and get really deep into it and 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 it's awesome i i feel like i have people that i love in all these cities all over the world but um it's not reaching as many people as i'd like okay Mm. so i think what we're probably going to move towards is a i'm going to show up to your one practice one night of the week like whatever night you usually have practice Mm -hmm. and we'll spend a very condensed amount of time with each other and i'm going to go on to the next city um, and just be in a different place for, you know, these tours, though the same way bands do it. You know, okay. I always wanted a band, <laughs> you know, and so, and then I get to take my man with me and not you miss him all the time. Right your hand. Hello, Cleveland. <laughs> <laughs> this one goes to 11. <laughs> Bonnie, thank you so much. We really appreciate oh. your time. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. I feel yeah. like I filled the whole room with words. It's amazing. It's a lot of words. It's, it's, oh. Now, if there's any leagues that are in Australia listening and they want you know Bonnie at their their league, come your next time down under. Yeah. Where can they learn more about you? Um, Facebook or BonnieStory.com. Oh, thank you. Just a business card. Can you touch? Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> 
Yeah, I have uh, I have posters for you guys from this tour. Awesome. Yeah, um, uh, Toots Von Tiki from uh, Hobart mm-hmm. uh, took took a rendition of a of an illustration that a Brazilian artist mm-hmm. had made of me, which was of a picture that Joe Roller fan had taken. Mm-hmm. So it's like all these different artists got involved somewhere along the line, but she made this tour poster for me. So, it's a great post office. It's so yeah. great. Yeah, just like in the it's like the work of three different artists mm-hmm. went into that. And it all makes me look very much skinnier than I actually am. And like oh, it's all epic and exciting and I'm just like, fuck it, yeah, I'll take it. I like the comic <laughs> book version. <laughs> this has been a great talk. I hope, you know, you kinda of oh. dug just having a chat. Yes. Derby, talking shit. Yeah, yeah, totally. Cool. Thank you. Appreciate thank you for so your much. time. Thank you yeah. for putting time into into making this kind of stuff available to other people, you know? That's a that's a pretty noble deed you're doing there. <laughs> not just you know, not just talking to me because like you know, talking to me is so noble. But <laughs> but you know, you you're part of um, the awesome thing about roller derby, which is people sharing. You know, that's our goal. Yeah, that's our ultimate that's goal. All we want. Just getting you know everybody in Australia to know about what everybody else is up to. And shit, I think everyone in derby even derby. Be hearing what some of the stuff you've got to say. Oh, yeah. Anyway. Uh, well, if anybody made it this far, they're a trooper, man. They just <laughs> yeah. have nothing but time in their lives. But, um, <laughs> but uh, you know, if I could say one thing, it would be, like, definitely keep sharing. And I know that a lot of people, when you're when the states are such a huge part of roller derby, a lot of people get so obsessed with what's happening over there, what's happening over there. And it's like, dude, don't worry about what's happening over there. What's happening right here? What's happening in your town? What's happening in your country, your state? You what do you know? think about what's happening in Australia? You've, you've seen some of our skaters and stuff. How do you think they're going? I think it's coming up, man. It's coming up pretty good. Cool. I, I'm looking forward to the World Cup. Yeah. <laughs> no way, it's gonna be awesome. It's yeah. coming up pretty good, but you know, I just you know, I see this happen in a lot of other countries. I see people so obsessed with mm-hmm. what's going on in the US and it's like, dude, build up your own scene because that's how we got to where we are. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of people building each other up and and you gotta do it. You gotta do it here. Nobody wants to. Nobody wants to be part of that big picture, everybody wants that instant gratification. But yeah. none of us would be at this point. If there weren't people like you guys who just said, you know what, we're going to do this for the team. <laughs> yeah, it's totally for the team. <laughs> and you've been doing it for all of us, I guess, as a as a pioneer trailblazer that you are. So we appreciate it. Well, thank you. Yes. And we appreciate your time. It's been great. Very much so. Thank so. you. Coolies. Thanks. Cheers. <laughs>